Hey everybody, Tyler Smith here once again with another uh, special bonus uh, interview, uh, embracing the, the, the long distance medium as opposed to doing things solely in person as we usually do. Uh, so today we're going to talk with uh, a fellow online critic, a guy who uh, may need no introduction. I don't know. It's hard to know uh, where when o- audiences overlap and when they don't, but uh, it is... Uh, you know him as the cinema snob. I know him as the guy who uh, kind of liked my documentary. Uh, I knew him as a cinema snob before that. It is, uh, <laughs> it is, it is, it is Brad Jones. Brad, how you doing? Good, good. I am, I am the star of your documentary. Thank you very that's, much. <laughs> that's true. Um, I, I did notice after your review that a couple new credits showed up on IMDb. Uh, was that you or was that someone else? No, no, that wasn't me. I, uh, <laughs> other people do do that with my IMDb page or I'll have stuff on there and I'll have to think twice and be like, was I in that? And then I'll <laughs> click on and I go, oh, I guess I did voice this like hippopotamus character and something five years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I yeah, I have uh, an IMDb pro account. And so I like to help out friends where I can, like adding something to, you know, a positive review that somebody has written that is not on their page or whatever. Uh, and then uh I also I've I've shown up in weird as weird credits in people's like films like often like friends will make a movie and so I show up as a as a special thanks so in my on my IMDb page like the special thanks section is by far the the biggest one which I love because it the way I say it, it's like, it's like oh, I, I like the idea of somebody stumbling on my IMDb page and being like, who is this kingmaker? Who is this guy who, uh, <laughs> this behind the scenes Machiavelli of Hollywood? So, do you have a, uh, do you have a profile picture on IMDb? I do. Yes. Oh, see, you're, you're one step ahead of me. I've still just got the blank icon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I have an official uh, publicity photo that I've been using for a long time and frankly, I should probably stop using because that was about 25 pounds ago, but uh, oh, that's, that's what I should. I lost a bunch of weight years ago and I used to have hair. I should put that on there. Yeah, this like, isn't the, the guy from that movie. It's like, this is making a pro, uh, some kind of promise that it, this guy's not delivering on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Brad, how's it going? How you, are you hanging in there during this, uh, this craziness? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, you can't, I, since this is audio only, you can't tell, but I'm in the, I'm actually recording this from my closet. <laughs> I, d- I did notice that. I wish we did video, but uh, I'm glad we're not because I did not, not do my hair. <laughs> this is, uh, this is not me doing some stupid war room reference. Like I'm <laughs> the, uh, uh, the, bo- our cable box is is in the is in our closet it, it's like, like right over there and i was like Got this it. is this is where the best connection is to do something like this i'm not actually this kind of gives you an uh idea to the fact that a lot of stuff like this i typically do from our studio sure. <laughs> i didn't didn't think ahead didn't think ahead of time when we got our internet connection so um we kind of skimped a little on the power of our internet connection here but no things have been fine over here like i'm uh I'm not the type to, I'll, I'll go a little stir crazy, sure, get some cabin fever and whatnot, because we've been, you know, primarily inside for the last couple of weeks. But I'm not the type to go online and complain, really, because there's a lot of people who have it way worse than I do. <laughs> yeah, as far as problems in life, th- you could do worse than this. 
and I reckon, yeah. and that's, you know, there are people that are out of work. Thankfully I'm not. Um, yeah. so I'm very happy about that. But, uh, you know, I have a friend, my wife and I have a friend, it's two parents and three kids in a one bedroom apartment. Oh. And it's like, Oh, I cannot imagine. Yeah. It's just me and my wife, me, my wife and our cat here. <laughs> and you know, it, it, <laughs> a lot of, I'm not entirely not working cause our, our main show, the cinema snob, uh, that I shoot and edit from the studio and we haven't been able to get into the studio lately. And speaking of here's, here's one of the stars out here. Oh my gosh. My cat Lloyd is here right now. Um, (laughs) so I'll, but there, there are things I can do from home. Like when we're doing like a vlog review, when we reviewed, uh, uh, your movie the other day, we, we watched it here and, uh, went to the, car to go review it because that's the setting for that particular show we have a show where we do like food reviews and things like that they're not the most popular on the channel but it doesn't mean we can still keep our channel somewhat active during this yeah it's you know and if if you're like me uh, in a situation like this it's it's such a strange time because you know, obviously there are no critic screenings happening. Movies are being pushed. And so, you know, suddenly, you know, for Battleship Pretension, we get all kinds of emails from smaller uh, uh, distribution houses and stuff like that. And it's usually movies like, well, this doesn't really fit with our brand. So uh, we're just going to, it's, I'm not judging them, but this isn't really us. And suddenly it's like, I'm giving them a second look and be like, well, maybe uh, this terrible terrible Sasquatch movie, maybe who's to say. I, I should, I should check my email to see if I got, I've gotten that. That one kind of is up my alley. I, I get the, I get those screeners too. And like everyone else, we did watch Tiger King over on Netflix. So that's I'm I'm holding out, but I feel like I'm not going to be able to hold out much longer. Oh, dude, it'll yeah, that'll kill a day for you. It, it will. <laughs> it's it's totally worth it. But I uh, I get all of those screeners too, and we don't watch every single one of them, but because it'd be impossible to. Yeah. But the ones that really kind of jump out at us that that kind of fit some of the more popular things that we do on that particular show. Like when we got your screener and it, yeah. the, t- the title says rise of Christian cinema. I'm like, Oh, that's right up our alley. Plus, yeah. plus I, plus more than that. I was like, I, I do really want to see this. Cause I like, mm-hmm. I, I, I do like that kind of thing. And in the past, did you get the screener for that Roe v. Wade movie? I did. I opted not to uh, engage. You missed out, man. (laughs) It has has a family sing-along in the middle of the movie. (laughs) Dude, yeah, okay. Led by Jamie Kennedy and, oh, yeah, yeah, he's one of the leads. And him and the guy who wrote, and what's the guy's name? The the dude who wrote and directed the movie also stars in it. Oh, boy. Do you remember? Do you remember the movie Breast Men with the David I, Schwimmer one? I didn't see it, but I know what you're talking about. Yes, I can picture the the VHS cover. Yeah, right. I know exactly. <laughs> I've seen the movie, and that's primarily what I remember too. Imagine that movie, but about Roe v. Wade and two doctors <laughs> in the 1970s, <laughs> and it's the guy who wrote and directed the movie, and also. Um, jamie kennedy is it a comedy no it is not 
it 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 is it's not and it's i watched try to dig through your emails to see if you can find this oh, because boy. i watched a, i watched this was like an assembly cut okay. which which kind of happens when you get a lot of these screeners sure. you know but some of the things in it that haven't been edited into the movie yet i'll give you just a really quick example um there's a part where because this is all taking place in the early 70s there's a part where they're holding up a newspaper about two supreme court justices that have just been nominated and put on the bench and it's the actual newspaper but they in post-production they took a still shot of the two actors playing the judges oh, okay yeah but imagine okay imagine and it's tracking along with the paper imagine like you're using the black box to like cover right. up nudity imagine that but it's the two actors that are covering up the actual pictures on the newspaper Got it. <laughs> there was like, little... are they censoring this image what's going on i know yeah i'm like please tell me that's gonna stay in the <laughs> final cut <laughs> yeah it's it really is fascinating uh i don't talk much about the not not to imply that's what this is but it sound it reminds me and just what you're talking about it reminds me a lot of some of the christian films that i've seen um just this it, it really is fascinating when someone thinks like oh well this is obviously the thing to do uh -huh. I, there's no like and there's just and when you get at a certain budget level there's no one around to tell you no and I think when it's just like, okay, well, obviously we've got this very serious film. There's no question we should cast Jamie Kennedy. That goes without saying. Oh, yeah. uh, is there going to be a sing-along? Of course there is. Why wouldn't <laughs> we do that? Like, it's just, it's the kind of things like, what on earth are you, did you run this by anybody else, including yeah. yourself? Did you give it a second thought? Uh, or did you just go pure instinct? It's the kind of thing that happens when even outside of the genre that it's in, it's the kind of thing that happens when it's a very auteur driven film. The guy who stars in it, wrote it, directed it, produced it comes from, I think he's yeah. a member of the Lehman brothers family. I want to say, Oh boy. Uh, I, I think he, he is. A, yeah. He's a member of a very wealthy family like that. Um, He's the one who years and years ago, he was engaged to Sofia Vergara and tried suing her for custody of embryos. Oh boy. <laughs> anyway, he made a movie and you have to see it. <laughs> I guess I do, but it's, you know, let me ask you this. If this is, yeah. this is something that, that I was talking with my wife about yesterday is that, you know, there's this on one hand, I'm thankfully in a situation where we have, you know, we have savings. And so this quarantine is not really hurting us that much. So uh, when I talk about like a good problem to have the idea, it's like, oh, I want to try and utilize this time. So I'm going to try and catch up on some movies. And yet I also just want to go back and watch movies that I love and maybe haven't seen in a while. Yeah. And so to me, there's this, this constant, uh, back and forth this tug of war within me that's like do i watch new movies that i've always meant to watch uh do i revisit do i watch something that i would never watch otherwise like the film you're talking about <laughs> yeah and in the end i wind up feeling quite possibly more stressed as a result of this freedom than uh than if i my schedule were limited 
I uh, thinking about it, I guess everyone is kind of living like when uh, in the beginning of Old Boy when he was isolated in the apartment with the TV, and we're all just kind of slowly going mad like that. Oh yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I. Um. When I watch a lot of. I kind of factor that I, I, I kind of adapt that into um, being work related in that. Sure. So, so during this time, um, yeah, we are watching movies, but it's stuff I'm doing for work reasons. Like uh, I, we have a Patreon account and one of the perks on there is to request a movie for us to do a vlog review of. Hmm. So with this going on and, not being able to do our main show we've been catching up on a lot of those and those like kind of go side by side and just sort of watching it leisurely like i watch so many movies for the channel that usually when it's my downtime i'm not wanting to watch a movie i'm wanting to watch like a tv show sure. like some like like pop out like a rerun of frasier cheers or something like that and yeah. and just kind of chill out um I kind of save rewatching movies for, which I guess I can't do this now, but when like a re-release will come to theaters, sure. like the Fathom events, I'll mm -hmm. be like, oh, well, Fathom events is re-releasing A League of Their Own next month. Cool. Yeah. I'll watch, I'll rewatch A League of Their Own. Some months ago they did The Shining. That's, that's kind of what I do with, with, with that a little bit um what about you do you kind of does as does it reach a point where just kind of sitting there watching a movie will feel a little bit too much like work and you need to put on like maybe a show or it's just kind of chill that you know what um it's interesting uh <laughs> So my, my wife was uh, filling out a, a form for us because we're in the middle of uh, the adoption process and they ask you all kinds of questions. Yeah. And one of them is like, what are your hobbies? And she asked, she's like, I couldn't think of any of your hobbies. And I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, my hobbies are kind of my life, you know, thank you. Yeah, Which I feel I lucky. I, I'm very fortunate about that because mm -hmm. um, I love movies. I love watching and talking and writing about movies. Yeah. Um, to such an extent that I don't really do anything else. Like my hobbies are watching movies and then going to coffee shops with friends one-on-one -on -one and then talking about movies and life, you know, yeah. and then yeah. occasionally reading about politics and economics, which I wouldn't put down as a hobby because I don't think that's <laughs> going to make anybody want to give their child to me. <laughs> I spend all day on Twitter. <laughs> um, no, I, I totally agree. Like, cause before I was, because I, I grew up a huge movie guy and you're right in that what we would do growing up became our jobs yeah. like uh long before youtube and long before you know we were doing stuff like the vlog reviews and things like that yeah my friends and i would go to all the movies that came out or most of them at least and then shoot the breeze about them afterwards yeah and then that kind of just that, that became what, what what I do for a living, which I think is also why I've never gotten burnt out on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, I, I still, I am, I am bummed for a number, a number of reasons that theaters are closed because yeah. when, when, th you know, when I'm feeling down, I will go to a movie, even if it's a movie I'm anticipating not liking, 
like yeah. it's such a this is so melodramatic but like when the when the trailers are over and then the lights dim fully and it's all about anticipation i'm rarely in a better mood Same. um and uh and so yeah the fact that that is not the case and everything has to come from me i decide when i'm going to watch a movie so there's nothing wrong with that but it does make me feel like if i'm doing something else like uh this is very dorky i've been i I don't play video games. I play Stardew Valley. That's yeah. all I do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and lately I find it very relaxing. And so my wife was like, well, could we put that down as a hobby? It's like, I'd really rather not. Yeah. Uh, but you know, so like I was, I was playing, I played it for like an hour yesterday and yeah. uh, ironically I got to, they, I unlocked this thing where you can turn a, an abandoned old warehouse into a movie theater. Uh, yes. so I thought that was funny. I didn't know that's where we were headed, but um, <laughs> yeah, uh, which I found ironic. And then you can go with other members of the town and see a, a movie. I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, that's, that's, that's very interesting. So, um, but yeah, so I played for an hour yesterday and then I thought like, this is an hour I could have been spending on watching something. And so like there really is. So I guess in the, to the degree that film watching can feel like a job is when I feel obligated to do it. Um, Even though I enjoy it. Uh, But you know, it's like, well, I, when it comes right down to it, it's like, it's still setting aside two to two and a half hours to watch something. And that can be not a chore, but it is a, it's a commitment. And mm-hmm. I might not be quite eager to make that commitment all the time. Um, but, in, but invariably, when I'm actually watching the movie, it's no problem. And afterwards, I'm always happy I did it. It's just that initial push that, mm-hmm. that I have a hard time with because I'm an inherently lazy person. I like to just sit in my <laughs> office and do what I want. I, so, same. I do yeah. too. I, I know, like, I'm... I, I hear what you're saying, because I, cause I, I, I do play video games, and I've, I've been doing it a lot more the past couple of weeks. And when I, you know, when I'm playing back through, like, L.A. Noir or something like that mm. that I've been doing the last couple of days, I am sitting there having a good time, and it's relaxing. But I am also thinking, like, you know, I'd, I'd prefer to be watching something for the site or back at the studio editing yeah. and filming or something like that. And my favorite... My favorite time of week is when the new movies come out on mm-hmm. Thursdays. And cause I'm usually at average, like maybe three movies a week and sometimes, sometimes more. And even when it's something that I go to that I am fairly certain is going to be bad, <laughs> like Arctic dogs or, like a like a boss or something like that you know like even even then i'm not um i'm not dreading it because i like getting out of the house i like going to the movie theater i still love the experience of going to the movie theater i like like being there with my friends or my wife and then we're talking about it afterwards even when it's something that's really bad because sometimes like when it's something that's really bad you might have more to talk about (laughs) oh and you'll definitely i find that you have my my uh my thoughts are more focused immediately when it's something bad whereas if it's something amazing it's like this is going to take me a while to to work on but when something's wrong you know it immediately oh oh yeah and you verbalize it you can't wait to vent it out either. <laughs> like I, I prefer, cause I, I've heard people say that since some movies are going to VOD now, mm-hmm. like 
uh, bloodshot uh, and the hunt and things like that, that they prefer watching movies at home. And I, I still like, I, I still prefer going to the movie theater, honestly. Like if any reason it's because granted, sure. There's certain types of movies that I'd probably rather watch at home. But if my option is to go to the theater, I'll choose that because there's less distractions at a movie yeah. theater. Yeah. I mean, home is where I am in charge. Yeah. And so I can pause a movie if I want. I can check my phone if my want, if I want. And what's more is in movie theaters, even though for other people, this may not be the case anymore, but for me, there's still a sense of decorum. And so it doesn't even occur to me to check my phone while I'm watching a movie in the theater <laughs> at home. It, it might, because home is where I'm currently working from. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I might uh, be like, Oh, did anybody ever respond to that email? Whereas like when it's a, uh, so I guess there is, even if it's a bad movie, it's a two hour break from, it's a mandatory, the way I see it, a mandatory two hour break from mm -hmm. all the other stuff. And you come to realize like, oh yeah, life could get along without me for a while. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like if I'm, yeah, if, and I'm, I'm very, very ADHD. So watching a movie from home, you factor in what you just said about phones, which is yeah. very true. And even other distractions too, like maybe something going on outside the window yeah. or uh, just glare off the TV or, or, or something like that. It's uh, there's a lot of distractions. And in the movie theater, I might once in a while, like if, if something's a slog, I might, covertly kind of so no one will see it look down just to check the time sure you know um whenever i <laughs> i think whenever it's one of those cases where i actually am kind of dreading to go see something speaking of slog is when it's something when it's a mixture of it's go it's probably going to be something that is a bad but not interestingly bad and also two and a half hours <laughs> yeah it's i remember my uh, my co-host uh he was talking about that movie detroit um which he did not really care for and it was considered mm. kind of kind of a prestige movie mm -hmm. and he goes he's like well it was bad but at least it was very long and uh <laughs> and so i would say that about detroit made my number one best movie that year oh my i'm sorry no 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 it's fine uh, i didn't see it so uh in retrospect I should have put, uh, uh, what was it? The Lost City of Zed at number one that year. I did love um, that one. I did too. I loved the hell out of that. But I, I, when I made that list, I, I was, there were certain things, and I, I still love the movie Detroit. It would still make my top five. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think around then, me and someone else were really praising uh, Will Poulter's villainous performance in it, which he's sure. great in the movie. He's phenomenal in it. And I think not long after that, I did the list and was like, number one. <laughs> um, but it, I think that's the case with a lot of top 10 lists where it's like, if you ask somebody every month to make the same top 10 list, 
there will be things that change. Yeah. It's like uh, any kind of list. Cause I make my, my personal top hundred, like every two years yeah. and people like, like, how can you do that? It's like, because I don't take it super seriously. Uh, yeah. I, ha I view it as a snapshot of what I was thinking at that particular moment. That's the most you can do. That's totally what it is. It is a hundred percent what it is. And what, what your friends said about Detroit was, I think something similar that I said, coming out of the goldfinch <laughs> oh boy and that, you know and brooklyn was my favorite movie of that year i adored yeah. it and then when mm -hmm. i heard and then i remember seeing the trailer for the gold goldfinch and the thing that intrigued me was like i don't know what you are i can't tell what you are and then i looked at the reviews and it, sound, and it sounds like oh yeah seeing the movie did not help that no no not at all i i saw the movie and i couldn't tell you what it is yeah um it, that that is one of those movies that it's kind of that prototypical Oscar bait movie. And I don't, I don't use the term Oscar bait loosely. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like a lot of people do use that term very, very loosely. No. Um, this is one of those cases where it's kind of appropriate. Not that it's an entire, it, it's not a soulless movie. It's not a cynical movie, yeah. but it is a very, if you, it's one of those movies that if you were to do a parody trailer of an Oscar bait movie, it would look something sure. like this. Sure. Um, except it doesn't have like world war two in it or anything. But, <laughs> um, but aside from that, like it, those are always and that movie didn't make my bottom 10 by any means but it's those movies that are kind of in the middle there or below the middle yeah that are just the mixture of so uninteresting and long yeah that are way harder to sit through than most things that would make somebody's bottom 10 yeah, yeah invariably like when i when i put together like my list of the my least favorite movies of the year. Um, there are movies that are lower budget and strictly speaking could be seen as worse, but usually the movies that I really hate, which is not a word I use lightly are yeah. the ones where it's like, you guys had the budget, you had complete control. You had the studio behind you. You had a great cast, great composer, cinematographer, and yet you still wound up with the snowman, you know, for example. Um, it's just like you had everything there for you. Yeah. And you like, the, I guess to me, it's about squandered resources more than lack of resources. No, you're, you know? you're, you're totally right. And that, that's one of those fascinating cases too, where it was like they could only film like 85% of the movie or something. Yeah. It's and crazy. Me, it's just like, cause yeah, it was, Thomas Alfredson, who'd made T Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, reliable yeah. director. And then later on, he goes, he goes, yeah, like 15, we, there was like 15 of the film, 15% of the film, like we weren't able to make. And my first thought, which I'm perfectly happy to ascribe to the studio, it's like, then why did you release it? Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> it, it, how is this even possible? Why did you think this was a viable option? Do you think this is going to go great for you? I'm so glad that I saw that movie too is the thing like because we me and my friend Sarah we reviewed it when it came out we had a blast talking about that movie <laughs> it's and that's the other thing is like you know 
you talk about like like the the concept of Oscar bait. Yes, I also don't necessarily like to put things in those terms either. But there is a certain type of movie you could call it a prestige movie, whatever it is. But there's yeah. a certain type of movie that clearly is so it has bought so much into its own seriousness and its own importance. And it's usually released in the fall or the winter. There's yeah. a certain dourness to it, suggesting like, no, 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 we can't make any jokes here. We can't have any action here. This is an important movie. Don't you understand? Meanwhile, yeah. some of the best movies ever uh, have a tremendous sense of humor to them while still being about something very serious. Manchester by the Sea is surprisingly funny. Oh, it's very funny. You know, while also mm. dealing with some heavy, heavy stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, and I remember like, but sometimes I'm, I'm thrown. I reluctantly watched Brooklyn, not expecting mm -hmm. to really like it, expecting it to be one of these prestige movies. Yeah. And I found it tremendously charming, visually beautiful, great cast. I absolutely adored it. Um, so sometimes, so I do try to stay open, even if it's a movie that's like, I, I have a feeling I know where this is going. And usually I'm right, but sometimes I'm surprised. Yeah. I, and those are the, best moments those are the moments where i'm really glad that i do what i do for a living because there's a lot of surprises like that that i'll have about a movie i, I might go into something maybe not necessarily thinking i'll dislike it but i'm just kind of going to it because it's my job and i gotta sure. go see it and we'll end up being really surprised or really really falling in love with the movie and I wouldn't have seen it otherwise if it weren't for having to go see everything that comes out. Yeah. I mean, there's such a, there's such an emphasis now, understandably. So like, just like with streaming and on demand and all this kind of things, like at this point, if you, if a person watches something, it's because they themselves are interested and yeah. why would that, whether it be like, and that could be political as well, which is like, I'm going to weed everything out of my feed that yeah. does not line up with what I already believe or I'm interested in. Yeah. And when you, when you do what we do and you probably even more than me at this point, because like, cause now that I'm an instructor, I, I assign movies that I know I've already seen and can talk about and know what questions to ask mm. my students. Uh, but like when you're a critic, you have to see everything which can provide on one hand, a certain degree of perspective. And it's a wonderful opportunity because there are things like you wind up seeing that you never would have. Yeah. And, and it winds up being one of your favorites. Oh dude, totally. And that perspective is important too, because you can usually kind of tell when you see someone talking on social media and they maybe only see about 10 movies a year. Yeah. Um, so I remember when, I remember when bright came out, the oh, yeah, Will yeah. Smith, not a good movie. Don't get me wrong, but there were so many very hyperbolic negative reviews towards it, calling it like the worst thing of the year and all that. Yeah. It's not a good movie. Don't get me wrong. But I'm like, man, I got to go see stuff like El Coyote. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, that, that, that might have been the same year that like Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas was out. And like, oh, Bright's the worst movie of the year. Okay. <laughs> well, you've, you've stumbled on something that is exciting for me to talk about. Um, it is very rare for for me to run across somebody who is not a professed Christian who has nonetheless seen a lot of Christian film. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. 
you know, and it's, and because of the circles that I run in, I, I don't know a lot of Christians that see these movies because they're not interested. Why would they be? Yeah. Um, but I am, you know, it's, so like when I talk about, you know, I, if I saw Breakthrough, I saw the latest Kendrick Brothers movie. I don't see all of them, but I try to see the higher profile ones just because, so I can kind of track the progress or lack thereof of the, mm-hmm. the, the industry. Um, but when I talk about it on Battleship Pretension, invariably my co-host will not have seen it because again, why would he? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in, and I know that you've, you've sort of talked about this elsewhere, but I'm curious, you know, what, where did that decision come from that you were going to see these movies? Because nobody is requiring you to see them. They're no, not really no, not part of the larger conversation. I um, kind of true. Uh, I kind of looked at it just because it was out like, okay. I think the first one that we did on our show was when God's not dead came out. Sure. Cause that was kind of the first in this wave or the first mm-hmm. really big hit in this wave of religious movies. So it came to, I was living in Springfield, Illinois at the time and it came out there and I kind of just looked at it as like, well, we go see everything else. Why not? Like, this is different. This will give us something new to talk about. And I did, while I'm not particularly religious, like I did grow up going to religious schools, uh, Hmm kindergarten through senior year i I wasn't so i did take all of those theology courses and everything k through 12 that were required i wasn't raised religious at home i just kind of preferred going to those schools because i liked going to a smaller environment so there were certain kinds that i kind of did grow up with a little bit um like uh you know the movie, uh, the David A. R. White one, uh, Second Glance, the one uh, yes. that, the, yeah. that the the Jesus Man one. Um, I didn't grow up with that, but that's the kind that I did. Yeah. Like that—that's the kind that we would be shown in school. Um, <laughs> and so I could kind of look at some of these movies from that perspective a little bit, but and we we did the video on God's Not Dead, and it it did get a lot of views so people did kind of start looking forward to it whenever we would go my co-host at the time i I live up in chicago right now uh but at the time in springfield my buddy uh dave would would go to these with me and he'd get way more mad at him than i would (laughs) like i wouldn't get mad like i would i would i would kind of sit there and just sort of be like well this is different than what i'm usually seeing (laughs) i'm like this isn't very good but it's given me something different to talk about but i always had this philosophy though that like when i'm talking about when i'm talking about something like god's not dead or um um war room or especially saving christmas I gave those negative reviews. Yeah, but I do. I, I, I want to review them as movies. Like, do I, do I agree with a lot of the politics of some of them? Not necessarily, but there's, but what I'm talking about in a lot of them has to do with the script or the direction or the acting or how some of them are, are made or if they're just not good at their message, 
Like you can have a you can have a movie that maybe you disagree with its message, but they're very very good at conveying that message. Yes. Uh, you you brought that up in your documentary, like um, Rocky Four, for instance, <laughs> or the the political movies of of the eighties. Yeah. Um, you can you can be a diehard conservative or a diehard liberal and find something to love about Rocky four or red dawn. <laughs> yeah. Despite what you may think of the certain cold war things about those movies. Whereas, um, <laughs> God's not dead. Not really. Like it didn't feel, it didn't really feel all that authentic necessarily. But a movie like God's Not Dead three to me did. I actually did like that movie. Yeah, I I uh, I've heard very good things about three uh, because it sounds like it's trying to correct some of the mistakes of the first two. It does. It does. And lo and behold, it's the one that made the least money because of course it did. Of course. <laughs> no, but that one that is an example of. Uh, of you know, I I probably don't philosophically agree with the some th things that uh, maybe the filmmakers feel or whatever, but the movie actually, it did what the first one promised it would do hmm. where the third one has a non-believer character in John Corbett and a believer in uh, David A.R. White and their brothers in the movie. And when they're talking and having conversations in it, it feels wildly genuine, especially if you have family members who maybe you've mm -hmm. seen political arguments like this in real life. And they're actually kind of addressing what they're addressing stereotypes of what maybe an atheist feels about a Christian and what a Christian might feel about an atheist. And it feels very, very real as opposed to the first one, which more so kind of feels like it's really not a debate and more one side is kind of setting up the other side to, to fall a little bit. Well, and it's, <laughs> it's, you know, uh, when, when we made our, our list of the best movies of the decade and, and we both selected our, our individual worst movie of the decade, God's not dead was my choice for was the, worst really? of the decade. Yeah. Um, because I think it does everything wrong. And I think that, you know, a lot of these Christian films are again, not very good, but there is a sincerity and a genuine desire. Like I don't really, I, I met, Alex Kendrick once a while ago. And I specifically yeah. said, Hey, I'm just letting you know, I don't really love your movies. Uh -huh. uh, and he, and I said, but I really appreciate the spirit in which you make them yeah. as opposed to God's not dead, which feels like a total calculation. Yeah. Um, like somebody looked at the, they looked at the, you know, they looked at like some of those emails that get forwarded around or somebody posts on, you know, on Facebook about like, Oh, this professor did that. And I've, I had professors that were, openly hostile towards religion. Sure, and yeah. I remember my first thought because I was a very opportunistic uh, student. Mm -hmm. uh, I was in a geology class and a, uh, our professor just got off on a 50 minute rant about creationism. And my first thought was like, it's like, I think he might be insulting me, but I also know he can't possibly assign homework at the end of this. So <laughs> I'm just going to let him go and I'll just, yeah. I'll just get a, I'll just develop a thick skin and be happy yeah. that I have an evening to myself to not have mm -hmm. to do anything. So that's who I, that's who I was uh, yeah. in a situation like that.
<laughs> yeah, I and I just kind of because uh, like I, I grew up good taking theology courses uh, all of my school life, so I'm just kind of it's 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 not a big thing for me to maybe have a teacher that like i don't maybe necessarily agree with on most things um so so yeah if if i was in like any kind of college course or something like that happened i'd be like well okay whatever that was my afternoon um yeah you're you're right about god's not dead feeling very calculated because it felt it's one of those movies like it because of God's Not Dead, it got to a point where I would review a lot of these movies and I would say something like, well, you know what? The Christian message here is really good. Like, okay, the movie All Saints with John Corbett. I, I didn't see, but he's a reliable it's, enough actor. He can sell yes. not great uh, material. Oh, yeah. Uh there's a reason why he was in the only God's not dead movie that worked. Yeah. Um, so he did this movie called all saints. We went to go see it. And I was like, I was like, it's cheesy. I, I was like, it's, it's kind of corny in a made for TV sort of way. And maybe it doesn't belong on the big screen, but I, but I did say, I go, but it actually is. It actually does have a very, very, very uplifting Christian message to it. And for the audience this is geared to it's really really going to work for them as opposed to god's not dead that is one that is kind of that genre where it it's just sort of hate porn like yeah. it's it's less about promoting christianity in fact it's really not about that at all no. <laughs> and more just kind of like taking shots at people that we hate in the most two-dimensional way possible <laughs> yeah it's 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 a complete like okay so just a little bit of behind the scenes in the documentary i was very happy with the way the music turned out my friend uh Amsey did the did the music and mm -hmm. when he when you know, I sat down and watched sort of his first pass because he just did everything. I yeah. gave him some very basic notes early on. And, uh, and I was really happy with, with what he did. He captured what I, the mood I was trying to go for. When we get to the section on pure flicks, that's when I said, like, I said, oh, this music uh, doesn't totally work for me. Oh, and he said, okay, well, what do you want me to do? I said, well, I said, at the risk of being a little bit too black and white, I, with this section, I've introdu we've introduced the villains. Yeah. So I need a villain theme when the pure flicks section comes yeah. up. Yeah, and uh, and don't get me wrong. Since then, pure flicks has actually made some some okay movies. Oh yeah, but they have. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I definitely view the the outside of my general hatred for the the concept of vid angel. Uh, I view pure flicks as like really. Uh, regressive, but again, even they like with the third God's Not Dead, even they are are doing a little bit better as they yeah. go along. Because I think even the filmmakers and even the most diehard like Christian film fans, after a while, they're like, "Oh, well, I've already had these movies tell me that I'm right, so now <laughs> what?" Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> you can only be pandered to hypothetically. You can only be pandered to for so long before you start to realize that's what's happening. So when so. we did a. Uh, uh, we did a movie a few years ago that was called Jesus Bro that was a parody of of uh, pure flicks movies and yeah. things like that. I Our haven't seen it. I really uh, I want to I want to check it out. 
I might have a like. I can shoot you a link sometime if you want to see okay. it. I, I I think I might still have like a pat like a Vimeo password for it. Mm. Um, but our cinematographer AJ Young, he uh, like all professional cinematographers. When you say like you're going for a certain kind of look on a movie, he you write down like a list of movies that it kind of that's kind of the look you're going for, and then he'll rent or buy all of those and take notes and and watch all of them the a movie we did last year was a road movie so he watched a lot of like 70s yeah. road movies when we did jesus bro <laughs> we wanted it to stylistically look like a lot of those at the time so we were saying god's not dead old-fashioned uh war room maybe yeah. uh so a, a number of those and he's a professional cinematographer and has been working a, a long time in the business. And when he came back to us like that Monday, when we were having the meeting, he was like, that was the hardest homework I've ever had to do. That's, that's the thing. Um, I, I gave a talk at uh, the international Christian film festival yeah. uh, in which I cribbed it's, it's named after a line, uh, a classic Roger Ebert line where he says a movie isn't what it's about. It's how it's about it. Yeah. And it's all, yeah. And it's, and it's this idea of like so many Christian films are just like, okay, well we've got our story and we've got our theme and yeah. the editing, the music and the cinematography and any other stylistic element. That's just a may, a way of conveying that as mm -hmm. opposed to, any real movie understands that if you like an edit can speak more, a certain edit can speak way more than like a thousand lines of dialogue or a certain, or cutting to a certain thing or a camera specific yeah. angle or whatever. And a lot of Christian filmmakers, again, don't think in those terms. So like the, the camera work is functional at best. Yeah. And, and sometimes and the, not even that. Man. <laughs> and like, it, do you know what the most annoying part is for me now? And this is all told is maybe minor, but there's so many of them like uh, God bless the broken road or invincible that have this like TGIF kid humor in them. Sure. Where it's cringy, like where it, it like, like a laugh track should be on afterwards. You have a movie like invincible that is about, pretty hard topics like a marriage falling apart because of PTSD. Yeah. And then you have who might as well be the Tanner kids from full house coming in to like make these awful jokes. <laughs> well, it comes down to, Oh, and I'm looking at the time and realize that I should probably start wrapping up, but it comes down to this idea that astonishes me. And again, this comes down to, um, I've come to realize that a lot of the issue, not just with Christian film, but a lot of film in general and the way people look at it, um, a lot of it just comes down to like basic media literacy. And mm -hmm. so many Christian films are thinking like, well, we want to make something that's appropriate for the family. It's like, well, appropriate is one thing. Intended is another. Like, I know, man. <laughs> just because a movie, just because you make a PG movie yeah. about a marriage falling apart it's like, okay, well, it's PG, which means kids can watch it. That doesn't mean, A, they want to watch it, or B, they should watch it. It's not for them. But yeah. in, the, in an attempt to make something genuinely for the family, they incorporate this stuff that has no business in this, in this story. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not opposed to incorporating humor, but incorporating this oh, yeah. childlike humor, it has nothing to do with the story at hand. And again, if you, if you had an understanding of what movie making is and what art is, you would understand that 
yes, not everything has to be for everybody. Uh, yeah. that, and that it, you know, acceptability doesn't begin and end with the rating. You no, know, dude. Yeah. You, that we're starting to, and you said this in your documentary too, that it's hit this wave where there's ones coming out that are kind of fixing a lot of those problems. Yeah. Like we, we went to go see breakthrough when that came out, which was a decent movie. Like not, not terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It was fine. Um, it was, uh, and, and that one, you know, it had a good, it had an uplifting story. It was well acted. Uh, it was, it was paced fine. Um, and it did humor better because instead of doing like those other movies do where yeah. the humor is the kids coming in and saying like Olsen twins lines, this one, I don't know, maybe this one was smart enough to drop its kid in a pool of ice at the beginning of it. But like, <laughs> but, but, but aside from that, like uh, the humor kind of came from like Topher Grace being that kind of bumbling, trying to be hip pastor. Yeah. And that worked. That was fine. Like, it wasn't hard-hitting humor by any means, but comparatively speaking, it was a step up. <laughs> and, it's, and it's rooted in a very real reality, which is uh, whether it be a pastor or a teacher, there's always, like, the person who's like, hey, just because I'm in a position of authority doesn't mean I'm not like you, you know? Like, uh, there's know, that, that classic idea. It's like, you know, Shakespeare was kind of the first rapper, if you think about it, you know, <laughs> like that kind of, that sort of thing. Um, you know, McGruff was the original Columbo. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and being a, an instructor now, uh, I do, there is this instinct. It's like, oh, well, I, I want to, I want to try to relate to them. But I realize like, I'm not going to be able to like yeah. when, when I go around at the beginning of every semester and ask like, what are your favorite movies and the number of them? And this is not a, a, a this is not a, a slag on them, but um, the number of them that talk about like the fast and the furious movies. And I haven't seen any of them. Yeah. And it's, and it's not because I don't want to, I've heard actually they get pretty good. It's just, yeah. I, I haven't gotten around to them yet because I'm seeing other things. And yeah. so it's just like, okay, well, if I haven't seen one of the eight movies that these people really like, I'm not going to be able to relate to them. I'll ra instead, I'll just try to talk like a regular person and yeah. hope that there'll be some commonality between humans. And I feel like breakthrough yeah. finds that like it gets the humor from that as opposed yeah. to trying to shoehorn in like, Hey, kids like this. Right. Um, uh, <laughs> still, it's still, Still frustrating though at times the movie, but uh, but yeah, you gotta look at uh, gotta look the, the progress comes in, in smaller increments. I think you kind of grade on a curve a little bit. Oh yes, <laughs> like like very much so. I can't even remember what the la uh, what was even the last one that was out. Was it Breakthrough? Um, um, I mean, there is Overcomer, and then oh, uh, what is it? Uh, there's a. I mean, it just came out like before all of this happened, which is I, I still believe, which uh, I didn't yeah, see. And if it weren't for all this, I think it probably would have made a lot more money because it also brings in it, it. It falls within a specific genre, which is like teen romance as well yeah. as being Christian. So I think it probably could have brought in a, a fair amount of money. He had a, it had an OK opening weekend, I think yeah. it was like that weekend right before it was right and before I didn't get a chance to go. Uh, I didn't get a chance to go see it. Because uh, we were advised to stay out of movie theaters, like right yeah. when it came out, and um, yeah, I I did really like because it, it's, it's weird because it's like I there's a lot of people that are involved with a lot of those movies where it's like I don't like a lot of the movies, but I 
but I like them. Like they seem likable enough. Like I did really, yeah. I did really like that clip of Alex Kendrick saying like, I used to make fun of these movies for being too cheesy and that's what I'm making now. And he goes, it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. It's which I appreciate that level of candor. And it's one of the things that yeah. I, that I, again, even though I do not like, I really don't like fireproof or courageous oh, yeah. or war room. I don't really like, these movies very much, but I, I can see that he is a more genuine person. Like uh-huh. he is making movies about being a husband and a father, which is what he yeah. is. So like he's making stuff that is personal to him and it just comes through. And I think he's much more willing to be open about himself, about his, his struggles and all that sort of thing. And including like, Hey, I used to judge these movies and now I make them and lo and behold, here I am making not great ones. Uh, <laughs> and now, to me, it's just like, okay, it's good that you realize that. Now, what is step two? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't seem to have made that extra step. But, uh, but yeah, and I know that our, our, uh, our mutual friend, uh, Kevin McCreary, um, uh, con- sort of consulted on Overcomer. And, uh, he, yeah. and I were, he and I were talking about it at a, at a film festival that we were both on a panel on. And he said, he goes, yeah, they took some of my suggestions and uh, – ignored others it's like yeah I, I imagine they probably did he said the same so. thing to me too i wrote to him too after i watched your documentary i go dude did you get the screener for this you and i are both in it <laughs> um yeah no he's a good guy uh he told me he was working a bit on overcomer and overcomer was one where it was like it's it's not good but i was like it's the better (laughs) it's it's the best kendrick brothers movies but again you incorporate that curve and you know yeah i know like with war War room was one of those movies like because there are a lot of these movies that'll kind of hit that sweet spot where it's like you're glad you're there like kurt cameron saving christmas where it was like I'm excited. Okay. I'm excited that we're talking about this now because uh, I am going to have to end this in a few minutes. And I like ending here because it is, it is a conversation ender uh, is saving Christmas because, you know, we were talking about the goldfinch earlier. Like, so I, I, that, and that was just a trailer uh, that I responded to. I saw saving Christmas. I talked about it on my other podcast, more than one lesson. And I was like, I don't, like this is just somebody's id just exploded <laughs> because I, in a way it's almost admirable. Um, you, it's, almost, totally. it's almost avant-garde in its willingness yeah. to be anything it needs to be in that second. Yeah. Um, it's man, what a ridiculous movie. It was, I was, I leaned over to my buddy Dave 20 minutes in and was like, I, I'm so glad I'm here. Like, I think it was around the swaddling clothes segment. And yeah. it's, it's one of the, here's, this perfectly sums the movie up. When I did my best and worst that year, it was number one on my worst, just on a pure technical writing and directing aspects and storytelling. I was like, it's yeah, this is the worst, but I guarantee you I have seen it more times than any movie that was on my best list that year. There is that feeling of like, <laughs> I do, I do kind of want to return to it. I, when I reviewed it, we talked about it for two hours and one of the, one of the guys said, he goes, well, he goes, it made me kind of excited for Christmas. Uh, but the movie itself is just ridiculous. And because like, yeah, you mentioned like on a writing, directing and storytelling standpoint, 
strictly speaking, I think it's a documentary. So what story is it telling? Except it, it is telling a story. It fails in multiple media. Like it yeah. fails as a documentary, as a story. It's, it, it fails, you know, it fails to even be a feature film because its use of slow motion is clearly meant to pad out the runtime. And the credits, <laughs> like it has three segments that have Kurt Cameron explaining to you what the movie is. It yeah. has extremely long credits and the story wraps up 45 minutes in and the yes. rest of it is a dance number. <laughs> Boy. That's it's... <laughs> I and the it. guy, the the guy, uh, Darren Doan, he's he's the the other actor. It's called Saving yeah. Christmas. Uh, Kirk Hammond Saving Christmas. But like, there he has a, like a co lead or whatever you want to call it. I feel like yeah. this movie transcends concepts like lead and supporting. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, like this this is the director's movie through and through, and he's right there on screen, and he's dancing, and he's flinging yeah. himself towards the camera, and it's like it is. It's the I like to th it's the dark side of the auteur theory. It's uh, <laughs> it's like yeah, sometimes you get a Citizen Kane, sometimes you get a Saving Christmas. <laughs> I know, and I sit there and I go, you know what? I'll bet it was probably a fun shoot. <laughs> oh, I've, I have no doubt. You know, when you have everybody going full steam ahead without a single person questioning what they're doing, it can be tremendous fun. Where you're essentially using your family Christmas dinner as a tax write-off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will go ahead and, and end it there. But, uh, Brad, this was tremendous fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, this was a blast. Thank you for having me on. Oh, no problem. One of the, you know, one of the things, the, an unexpected byproduct of uh, doing publicity for uh, the documentary is that it has allowed me to actually like open lines of communication with critics that I've really enjoyed and respected for a long time. So this was a Thank lot of you. fun. Thank you. And, I, and again, I, I really enjoyed your movie. I, I did. I think it's very, very informative. I think people, it has pretty much every piece of information you'd need when you ask the question, where did these movies start? Where did they come from? What's the trail of how it led? To Maybe a little bit too much, that. actually. Uh, I myself <laughs> am watching. I'm like, this, this is boring me, but uh, yeah. And so uh, now of course you're, you're, uh, you're the big time. So I don't even need to ask this, but I will anyway, where can people find your work online? Uh, you can find us over at our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash stoned gremlin productions. Also give us a follow on Twitter as well. We're at uh, the cinema snob over on Twitter. Absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, check out uh, Brad's reviews of various things. Um, and uh, now is a good time to try to uh, try to help people out who are, are making do from a content standpoint. Uh, yeah. Be like, maybe I'll review this. Why not? So, uh, you know, check those out as well. But uh, anyway, uh, Brad, thank you so much. Once again, this is great. Yeah. And uh, thank you uh, at home for listening. And uh, I'll get you next time. Bye.